Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hanging in there, I'm doing a bit of writing. Um, just trying to keep the old mood fucking balanced, like you know yourself. I, I'm finding this one a little trickier than the previous two, I have to say. This lockdown, I'll tell you now, I've already started recording, so we're good to go. You have not, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. But we're, we're in, we're in now. This is it, okay. It's on now, okay. It's yeah, very, it's very relaxed anyway, Tyke. Okay, but I, thank God. Getting weird, did I? I'm gonna, I feel like I know you, right? I feel like I had a dream about <laughs> had, had a dream about you last night, and uh, I was in the, I was in the car coming back to the house, and I go, I'll tell I'll tell Tyke how I'm feeling. He'll understand. It's the Keith Walsh podcast. It's essential, like your breakfast. It will get you up and going. There's the things you didn't know. Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh podcast. It's the Keith Walsh podcast. Give you energy like buck fat. And if your head's in a pickle or you're looking for a giggle, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast, yeah. Yes, good evening. It is episode 63 of the Keith Walsh Podcast, and it's Thursday evening as I'm putting this up, as I'm erecting the podcast to the Acast Creator website and putting it out there for you to enjoy. Um... It's it's all kicked off here at our house today. Charlie's not allowed upstairs because he keeps... The weather's been so bad he didn't get out for a walk a couple of days. And we've all been working in the house. So we've all been in our... My wife in, in here normally in this office that she's taken over. Working away. And my daughter doing her leaving cert in her bedroom. My son has now borrowed my laptop and is doing his homework in his bedroom. And I'm downstairs at the kitchen table. Anyway, so Charlie didn't get put outside and was sneaking around the house and then weed a couple of times so he's in trouble he's getting given out to not allowed upstairs Finn is outside with his mates I can hear them laughing there they found a mouse he's looking for a shoebox he came in a second ago saying what kind of food do, do mice eat so I, I don't know what's going on I'm staying I'm staying out of it I'm not getting involved I'm not getting involved Um, but anyway I have this to do uh, to keep me distracted as it were so to speak how are you are you well are you surviving yeah well you're we're all just about surviving and that's all we can do at this point survive um and uh as i said i'm just glad to have this to do um and uh, i have a good guest for you gonna run out of guests at some stage probably I don't know. I'm. I was going to. I went through a purple patch where I had lots of guests, uh, lots of interviews recorded, and I'd loads kind of in the bag, and then, kind of quickly, I was like, "Oh shit! I've none in the bag anymore." But I have this one and had this one in the bag. I don't think he's. He doesn't have a. He doesn't have a Wikipedia entry, does he? No Wikipedia entry. Let's have a look. Anyway, uh, his name is Ty Kiki. He is a comedian. He's a writer. He is a performer. He's, I suppose, you, you could call him a social media uh, f- 
social what do you call him not influencer performer entertainer social media he does he's comedy characters he was one of the original himself and um, a couple of his mates back in the day were a part of cahoots which were a comedy trio there's three of them and uh, they went on to write a tv show together that was on rt i think they got two series out of it and we talk a little bit about that uh what's the tag actor extra and band member that's what it says here in his uh talent directory i love being an actor i love going for tv commercials making little errors and lambasting myself all the way home on the train <laughs> why didn't i say that line i switched over you can too today why didn't i say that line a little less aggressively uh, so he does a lot of voiceover work um and he gave up the booze a few years ago. There's, you can read about uh, his his experience or his journey with the booze. Um, he, myself, and my wife went to see him in the the art centre here in Newbridge, the Riverbank Art Centre, and uh, he has a one man show that he wrote, which is about his kind of his experience with booze. It's a bit. Uh, abstract but it's very good it's very um, entertaining it's called uh, In One Eye Out The Other which I have to slow down to say because I normally say In One Eye I, Out The Next uh, and that, uh, that's been in the Dublin Fringe he's been touring it since uh, I think that Covid took its toll like it has on most things uh, Hickey best known as a member of the comedy troupe Cahoots says he wanted to explore alcoholism in a way that acknowledges the inherent madness that goes with heavy drinking. That's uh, him. In the play, he plays himself uh, as the drunker, as, uh, you know, on it, as it were. Um, problem drinker who hasn't had a drop of drink in four years. Uh, Hickey says he's using about 10% of his own experiences in his shows. He recalls being at a party in Cork and completely blacking out and then coming to at the beginning of a gig in Galway. In a band of which he was a member. Shit, why did I ask him about that? That's brilliant. Oh man, that is a great drinking story. You know what? If you have any good drinking stories, I think I've told some of mine on this, send them to me. Uh, KeithWalshPod at gmail.com. Because even though, you know, I don't drink at the moment and I talk a lot about it, there's some, I mean, some great crack in drinking stories. This is brilliant. He recalls being at a party in Cork, completely blacking out and then coming to at the beginning of a gig in Galway in a band of which he was a member. A friend had driven him to Galway. That is insane or insane. Uh, what the show tries to do, this is the his one man show, which will be available to go and see in your local theatre once things get moving. Um, what the show tries to do is look beneath the facade that the drink, the drunk builds for himself. I suppose I do identify with the thing of protecting what's really going on inside the false self. For years, I didn't think there was anything serious going on with me. I was just a party boy. But uh, yeah, as we know, it's probably to do with insecurity. And uh, Hickey feels the uh, comedy potential of alcoholics is untapped. Yeah, well, yeah, totally. And he was this tyke. He is. 
He's a performer. He's a writer. He is a comedian. Follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Instagram. Follow him on Facebook. Uh, he's very, very prolific. Gets through a lot of work and gets a lot of sketches and characters up on his social media platforms. And uh, yeah, he's a nice guy as well. And quite political, which you'll, you'll hear. Um, yeah, I suppose I was mostly interested in talking to him because uh, because I haven't had a drink in a year. I was interested to see if I could learn. I was just trying to learn from him, really, you know, trying to cog his notes before the big exam that is life. Uh, it is episode 63 of the Keith Walsh podcast. It was, uh, it was, it was, it's, uh, it's me talking to Tig Hickey. Enjoy. I tell Tig, my pal, how I'm feeling. I, I'm just having one of those days where I'm, everything's fucking annoying me. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm seeing, and I'm, I'm being totally like upfront because normally I'm quite good and quite zen and passive and not passive but just you know I'm, I'm, I'm cool with things but I'm seeing people doing things maybe on social media I'm thinking about things I'm doing that aren't quite happening and nothing seems to be fucking happening and nothing's working and other people are doing things and I'm, I'm in I'm in one of those kind of like yeah just uh everything's annoying me kind of uh, get it you know I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like you'd you'd understand you I don't know if you'd sympathize with me but you'd get it you know well, absolutely and you're right to say it out as well like it's good to say it out when you're having days of that like I it's funny now you should say that like I was on a bit of a buzz for a while with my own kind of journey and my own recovery and all this kind of stuff where I thought at the start the idea was to kind of get yourself well and then be a well guy so then you're well in your own mind and anyone you meet who's having any problems you're kind of going uh well we're all after getting well guys you know what I mean like it's but like being well I think Jesus, we're fucking straight into the heavy stuff. But being well is about having the space to admit, like, do you know what? I'm having a fucking really bad day. That's totally fine, like, to do that. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think the thing that surprised my wife the most, because we've been together for a long time. We've married for 17 years. We know each other since we were 16. But when I started uh, on my journey... When I started uh, therapy and and that kind of stuff, and I started being more, you know, learned how to be vulnerable and, you know, say that things are, she was surprised when I was saying, oh, this is fucking, I'm not, you know, when I admitted that I was struggling with something or or, I wasn't enjoying something or I was feeling a bit like, cause, cause I was, I was like, I was Mr. Grand all the time. Everything was grand. Everything was going to be grand. Everything was absolutely fine. You know, I kind of kept the ship steady. And I suppose I still do to a certain degree, but but part of keeping this ship steady and me, keeping me alive and good and well is admitting that you're kind of going, this is a fucking shit day. I'm, I'm going to bed, you know. Absolutely. Well, when did you knock the booze on the head? I'm, I'm particularly interested in this because I haven't really, I haven't drank for about, well, it's, it's, I gave up last year after Christmas. So this is, that was my first Christmas without booze just gone. Oh, um, and I loved it. Um, yeah, I had a grand time, and it was re- lovely because it just it really stretched out in front of me and behind me and around me, and there was it didn't like just fly by in a sort yeah. of in a haze. When did you knock the booze on the head? So I for good about five and a half, yeah, five and a half years ago it was the summer May two thousand and fifteen. But 
I don't know what your experience with drinking was. Was, was your show about drinking as well? I meant I was actually planning to go and see it and then obviously the plague kicked in, but it was about it was about your kind of journey, but not like drink specifically, was it? Or No, it was literally about uh, going to, it was about therapy. It was about a man, okay. me in my 40s, getting to a point uh, where you kind of felt like there was a, there was a, there was a there was a moment in my life where it was the moment was the breakfast show finishing up which I wasn't really ready for okay and I ended up going to therapy and discovering a few things about myself and having to deal with them but it was that moment that brought me to therapy and brought me to sort of dealing with myself rather than okay pinning my hopes on things like breakfast shows or places like RTE or uh you know <laughs> your your happiness on a career as opposed yeah. to, you know, your happiness and your contentment on yourself and your family and the things you have and the good things. So that's kind of what it's about, that discovery. And, sure. and actually, when I went in to talk to the people who produced the play in the Riverbank in Newbridge, they recommended that I go and see uh, In One Eye Out The Next. Is that what it's called? Out The Other. Out The Other. Out The Other, yeah, yeah. Uh, which really kind of inspired me to keep going. Seeing that, I loved it, by the way. Uh, and everyone should go nice see it when, when we can go back to the, the theatres again. Um, and I know you were supposed to do performances this year that probably were yeah. cancelled, but that really kind of inspired me uh, to to keep writing and to finish it. Um, Thank you. But yeah, sorry. To, so that's a roundabout way of me telling you my story. But the booze. Don't worry, thing... I asked for it. I, I interrupted myself. <laughs> I'm I'm murder for this shit. Like this is grand. We've, around, loads, we've loads of time. I go around and interrupt myself constantly. Like, um, so yeah, I stopped drinking in 2015, but. I mean, I'd been trying to stop drinking for years before that. Do you know what I mean? But half-heartedly trying because I loved it so much. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I remember going to counselling when I was like, I, I think I had a daughter when I was quite young. I was like 20, I think. And uh, I was in counselling very early on in UCC because it would be kind of drug use and there was like heavy drinking and stuff. And um, I remember a counsellor kind of saying to me, you know, you know, why do you drink? Like, is it because of like, you know, family stuff where I was kind of throwing stuff out there? And I remember saying to her earnestly, like, well, it's great crack. Do you know what I mean? And I really, I really meant that. And like, I, there, there's even a guy in my, uh, where I grew up, I met a guy who's got like a, a heroin uh, problem, sadly, these days. And I was talking to him recently and I asked him the same question. I then took on the role of the counsellor, you know, I was like, why, you know, why are you doing this to yourself, whatever? And he was like, it's, it's brilliant. It's fucking, heroin is brilliant. And it's a tough thing to hear, but obviously it's, I just like the honesty of it because like, obviously it's destroying his life. And obviously it was, drink was slowly destroying my life too but I loved being drunk like and it's kind of important to say that and then why did I love being drunk because I felt really ill at ease for as long as I can remember and like you know earlier where you were saying you know you were always the guy who was grand I was actually always the guy who was great like in my group I was always in like flying form around my family I was in flying form so then when you're not feeling that good it's horrific to to play the, the role of somebody who is do you know what I mean? So that, that was actually the most dizzying aspect of it in many ways for me, like to try and put on the role of this guy who's like in great form all the time, whereas it was actually just the substance that was fueling the good mood. And when you take it away, like the depression just started getting worse and worse and worse as the years were going on. And plus as well, I was I was I just did an, an interview with this um, radio station in Cork and they were asking me kind of similar questions about it. And I just I just got sick of them. Um, I got sick of doing everything half-assed as well. So there's a real practical aspect to it. I don't know, you know, was that your experience, whatever, but I was like, you know, I need to find out how good I could possibly be at something without this substance. And if I'm not that good at it, I need to just take that on the chin as well. 
because as long as I was drinking, I was just kind of going, you know, like I used to be in early morning houses in Cork and I'd be, I'd be probably, I don't know what I even would have been the funniest, but I would have been definitely one of the funniest <laughs> in the group. And that was kind of enough for me because my world was so small. I was like, well, I'm definitely the best. I'm definitely one of the best crack here, but I wouldn't try stand up. I w- but in my mind, I would go and see stand up though. Or sorry, not in my mind. I would physically go and see stand up and I'd be like, he's shit. Like, and he's a well-known stand up. I'm, I'm a nuanced thinker like you know i'm a really interesting comic that just didn't do any comedy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and that for me is drink it's it's fantasy it's bitterness it's resentment and i just you know i got to the point in my early 30s where i was like i would kind of rather be dead now really without being melodramatic i would rather be dead than continue this lifestyle and continue this mindset because I was far from the happy-go-lucky guy that people thought I was. Like, I was actually consumed with resentment. You know, mostly, mostly at myself, if anything, because I was like, I, I didn't, I know I didn't want to be living the life I was living, like, and yet I was constantly mistreating people and letting opportunities go. And yeah, that's it, man. I just got, there's a phrase in, in the recovery of like, I got sick of being sick and that was it. I just got really sick of being sick. And that was it. Because I think for me, it was like my uh, my uh, my career, if you want to call it that, or my yeah, you know, whatever success I had was good enough, and the papered over whatever cracks. So it meant that I could say to myself, "Well, I must be doing okay," you know, if I yes, if I've do, if I'm if I'm holding this job down, or if I'm doing this, and I, like I will I'll admit to you that I'm not a heavy drinker, and I wasn't. Even my wife said to me yesterday, "I'm, I'm still not sure why you gave up because you know you." You don't, you didn't, you weren't a heavy drinker, but I was a drink. Like I, I thought about it a lot. Like, so I, yeah. I was drinking or I was resenting the fact that I couldn't drink because it was Sunday night to work the next day, or I was thinking it was Thursday and I'll be able to drink tomorrow or, uh, and then when I could drink, so Christmas holidays, it was drinking every day, which I don't think is healthy. Maybe that's a, no. maybe that it's the Irish thing. And most people go, you're on your holidays, drink every day. Who cares? But to me, that's not a good thing. And I, and, and I never really liked it but I did it and I would have days on holidays or at Christmas where I felt sick from drinking but I drink through it yeah <laughs> which is bonkers you know looking back at it now I mean there's part of me talking to you about it now and I'm like what if I go back drinking Jesus and now I'm saying this about it but anyway um, <laughs> but, uh, I used to always think like that as well but but also like there's no like well, I'm, I'm not, not here to tell anybody that they've got a drink problem. No, I've got enough on my plate to tell myself that I have a drink problem most days. But, but like, it's not the amount at all. It's the effect it has on you. And that's like, you know, and you don't have to get too bogged down. Oh, sorry, I'm even gone into more dark. Oh, you're good. You're good. Uh, Whatever's comfortable. It's cool. We yeah. Can, we can just, like, Tyke, we can close our eyes and talk to each other. <laughs> I might just get into bed altogether. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's like, it's not about, you know, it's not about labeling yourself as an alcoholic anyway. That's for, I mean, like I was happy to do that because I was able to maybe help people by doing it and stuff. But like the label is, is neither here than there. It's like here or there. It's like, does this affect my life? Does it affect my mental health? It's probably something that you need to look at then. You know, it's certainly not about amounts. Like I was definitely drinking with people that drank more than I did. And some of them are still drinking and they're fucking grand. Like, you know what I mean? So I don't know. It's a mystery yet. And also I was a binge drinker, so I didn't drink every day. Like I'd be, you know, a great guy when I was back around or so I thought like I'm at work, like, and like you and I didn't have anywhere near as much of the, you know, the, the, the strong connection to RT, but I was, I was already doing work with RT when I was drinking alcoholically. 
and but yeah but like it, it, it was just the effect it had on my mind you know so it's you know I definitely would like if I was to, you know if there was any little message for people for younger people don't get bogged down on not drinking enough or drinking too much or on labels it's just like is this thing affecting your mental health then just you need to just figure out is it worth it then that's really what it comes down to you know what I mean um so five and a half years that's so this was the school on the school no, was on the, or, so that, yeah that, that was then 2017 I do you know what I stopped drinking when we we were really when cahoots were really kicking off okay. which was mad so I was actually I actually had my last binge in London so I was on the streets of London because I'd lost my I was at a party and I'd lost my wallet I think and I'd lost my keys possibly my phone which would have been very usual I always lost stuff I was kind of a calamitous drunk there's always some collateral like for a binge um and I had like I probably shouldn't name any names I suppose but I'd, like people in RT looking for scripts from me like and they would have been reasonably high profile people because we were just kicking off our our RT journey really like we were after getting a, a, an RT player series building towards a pilot at Christmas time and that had already kicked off and I was I mean like she's you know anyone listening like you know any kind of any kind of difficult situation when you're you know like getting up and going to the fridge when you're when you're after a binge is is unthinkably difficult but like dealing with calls from RT on a phone that was lost and you're trying to ring on, on your buddy's phone and it was just absolute mayhem like but actually that turned out to be for a whole host of other reasons that was the last weekend up until today that I drank and I managed to kind of just yeah the, the opportunities I suppose were built up a little bit in the in the previous couple of years and I managed to kind of hold it together and I don't think anybody really really knew you know except the people very like who were very close to me because like, alcoholics are unbelievable at hiding stuff as well like do you know yeah I don't I can remember well as I said, like I wouldn't have classed because you always compare yourself, don't you? That's how you, yeah. That's how you make sure, you know. That's how you check yourself. You compare. Well, at least, at least I'm not that lad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I would, I would, I did admit to somebody the other day. I would have, uh, I'd have been almost like angrily jealous of people if I was if I was driving through town. I live in Newbridge. If I was driving through town on a Sunday, you know. With, doing family stuff or whatever and i spotted a lad standing outside the pub yeah he's having a cigarette he's obviously in there you know on a session on yeah, yeah, yeah. But i have to work the next day and i'm probably yeah. like a little bit <laughs> a little bit hung over from my saturday night binge and i'm like oh, i want you know i'd, I'd nearly you know, you're at that point where like, i'd actually leave my job to join <laughs> join that man that i don't know in the pub i'd, I'd leave my family like and my car <laughs> And just, I just abandoned my car and so I wrote, I hang out with him for the day, like, and just we can go to the bookies and drink ourselves stupid. Like, yeah, oh no, I get it. I get it big time. <laughs> but so, so that was, so this, the, so the school had just started. Um, yeah, I was leading to that. So, right. And also so you're did, doing like, the stuff with Cahoots then for the player. Yeah, we're doing stuff for the player. And then that, that led to the school in, in 2017. And by then I'd, yeah, like I haven't drank, I haven't drank as I say in five and a half years and things got an awful lot easier. And, and I found out then what it was like to finish out projects, you know what I mean? Because I'd never really done that in my drinking. Like I'd start, you know, I'd kind of start bands and <laughs> like I'd have this great, I'd start a course. Like at one point I was, I was like halfway through pitching a, a, a night course in philosophy because I'd done philosophy in college and I was like, oh, it's going to be great. And I have posters and I have like topics and stuff. And 
then I go missing for three days and you know and it's kind of I wouldn't say it's great crack but you kind of you, you tell yourself oh this is just the way I am I'm this kind of zany creative guy <laughs> in your early 20s but when you're in your 30s like and your buddies are kind of settling down and they've got jobs and and proper you know they've got a lifestyle for themselves whatever and you're kind of like still living in gaffs and you know the house that you're living in like is like the ceiling and my house came through in the last house I was living in and my drinking like I mean if that wasn't <laughs> it was a sign. Wasn't a sign like yeah but uh but yeah so so fast forward anyway like yeah that I mean by 2017 I was kind of a fully functional member of society I suppose yeah um god yeah I mean there is because there's 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 times it's interesting because I'm I suppose a year not drinking and and I feel like I should I should say that today oh wow I'm a year well well more more but what I'm saying is there's a thing that people there's a thing that people say isn't it that uh, I haven't drank haven't had a drink yeah 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 I haven't had a drink in a year or whatever yeah but um uh, I've noticed that things, the energy I had that I used to think I'd get, I'd get an energy for things, you know, I'd get a, an idea and I, I'd get an energy for something and I'd get an exuberance and I'd get excited about stuff. Um, and then I'd sort of, as you said, like it, it would, something would come up, you know, and I'd chase it a little bit and then I'd let it go. And, you know, I, I suppose drinking was getting in the way in that way. And, and I, I'd, I'd almost... If I, I'd almost feel a certain amount of shame or something about the thing that I got excited about. I felt like the drinking helped me, helped keep me down, helped uh, control whatever excitement and exuberance I had for life that maybe didn't suit. I, I mean, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I have this theory that people drink because Irish people aren't supposed to be, oh, until you're on your 10th or 12th pint or your 6th Yeah. You're not supposed to be energetic and exuberant and happy and excited about things. And I think I was as a child, I was all those things. And drink helped me control that and be cool, you know, and relax. Yeah, yeah. Feel, you know? I get it. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I think if you take away, like park all the, the alcoholism and park all the really dark stuff, like ultimately we were all drinking, I suppose, to just kind of assuage whatever's going on with you before you get into the bar. So whether you need to chill out a little bit or whether you need to amp up a little bit, like drink will just, well, it just did it for me. I just always felt slightly ill at ease. Like I can't really even describe it. I just felt like something's wrong. Something's not quite right here. Like how do I fit in with this group of people? Oh, I know three, four, five points. And suddenly I'm not thinking about it anymore. Like I'm still probably not managing to fit in all that well, but I'm just not thinking about it anymore. <laughs> do you know? So, yeah. Totally. And did you, did therapy come in get involved or did, did you get involved in therapy or did you like what did you like, just knock, knock it on the head and that was it you kind of like I definitely like I like hung out with a bunch of of fellow alcoholics that kind of showed me the way I suppose like I would I would definitely say that and there was a whole there was a whole kind of program thing came into my life then as well but I think one of the key things I did to be honest with you like which I definitely would try and hammer home to people is like meditation was a total game changer for me and I definitely try and bring it up where I can because you know I was one of those people that was thinking you know oh, I've tried meditation it doesn't quite work for me and that, what that usually means is I tried it one day and I didn't have anyone to show me how to do it like I tried it from a YouTube video and it just didn't stick like so that that's what <laughs> that's what I certainly meant when I said I've tried it you know but like I was actually just trained in a in a in a form of a called transcendental meditation um with teachers in Cork but they're all over Ireland whatever they took me through three day 
training process and it's a mantra based meditation and it just transformed my life like I just I can't you know I can't put too fine a point on it it really just changed everything for me because without getting too kind of you know cheesy like I kind of that work doing meditation and that practice it kind of started to fill whatever kind of void was inside myself that was kind of demanding to be filled with alcohol like or other substances kind of all the time in my 20s um and I just yeah and since I've kind of done like I'm do, again now I'm doing meditation over five years so the drinking and the, med- the stopping drinking and the meditation went hand in hand I just find that like I'm so much less ill at ease and then I don't really crave like obliteration or you know getting out of my head I suppose as much so that was all a big part of the process and as well I have to say it was a complete game changer creatively like it's it was unbelievable to, because something just happens in the stillness I suppose when we're all so busy like you know you're go 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 but actually there's not a whole lot of creative thinking or, or any kind of thinking going on at all you're just an autopilot like with just constant activity and the meditation in this kind of stillness I will like anyone close to me often mocks me that if, if they if I'm meditating around them or if they're in the same vicinity as me I'll often just start laughing in in my middle of my meditations because like an idea for like a sketch or an idea for a gag or something will come to me and they don't I, de- I don't usually sit down and think up jokes they usually just like come to me like you know um and meditation was a big game changer for that so yeah so I think it's and I, I think you need something don't you like whether it's therapy or meditation or what what is like for if you, if you say to somebody like yeah you probably need to stop drinking well they're going to say well what do I do then like because I've been using alcohol to to cope with these feelings or lack of them or whatever you know so something has to come into the void and for me like meditation was was one of the most important things to come in it's funny actually because I, I, I i've i've been emailing the guy back and forth about tm classes and uh, no way yeah <laughs> because i'm 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 meditating at the moment i like I, right. I i i do my i try and do 20 minutes every morning but i have like i'm i'm looking for different youtube uh, guided meditations and sure i'm trying i do the odd one on my own I do the odd one listening to music. I tr- I'm trying, you know, I'm, I'm working at it. And I, I, I definitely do something every day, you know? Yeah. Um, and I try and journal and these things, you know, so I feel like there's definitely something there. Uh, the TM seems to be a bit of a cult. I don't know if I'm, <laughs> if I'm ready to sign up for it. Uh, the guys, it's expensive. It's expensive. It's, it's, I mean, look, it's probably money well spent, but. Uh, but can I tell you one quick anecdote on the expense? So yes. there's a buddy. There's a buddy that I used to session with, uh, or I, I hate that term, but anyway, we used to be in drinking and other substance-fueled uh, events and gatherings together. And I met him on the street about three years after I was doing it, and he was he was saying, oh, I heard you're off the drink, and you're, geez, man, you're flying, and you're, you're, you're doing a show on telly and all that, fair play and all that. What are you doing with yourself like? And I was like, well, I obviously don't really, you know, I don't get demented like anymore, but also I do this type of meditation called, tm and then he was like oh yeah how much is it again i was like well i think it was like like 300 quid or 400 quid when i did it and i did it and it caught you know I, I did it over a weekend and then there was no more expense ever again and since then i largely have peace of mind i don't feel like i want to self-destruct and life is really kind of beautiful like inside my mind a lot of the time and he was like ah sounds sounds a bit like a scam 
<laughs> and this guy is like this guy's dropping like three or four hundred quid on drinking drugs like easily every second week like you know what i mean on one night out so so if it is a scam it's one of the best scams i ever got caught up in i have to say like uh <laughs> I, look i know it's not a scam and i like i just feel i'm i'm being i'm being that's fucking that's a classic it's a classic <laughs> I, I, I feel like saying Irish man story, but uh, it is though. It is an Irish thing. I think I really yeah. think it, like Irish, I think Irish are always like, all right, like what's really behind this solution to my mental health difficulties? <laughs> like, you know, what's, what's he trying to get out of me? Like, yeah, because the, the reaction, the, the thing about not drinking uh, is that if you're not drinking, then are you judging oh, people who are drinking feel like you're do you think you're better than them? Do, mm. would you have, would you have felt that I, I i don't feel that because i haven't been out in a year yeah and i don't have any would friends you... <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i'm off of being friends with you off the record like all right man I'll... Cool. I'll just write your name down <laughs> I, have a, I have a book uh, of friends here <laughs> i don't want to be the first on the list though put me at the end of the list <laughs> well the happy pair the happy pair sent me <laughs> they must have felt bad for me i interviewed them the other day they sent me their numbers and said come for a swim with us sometime ah so you know i've got three friends now that's pretty sound i like a guy giving you his number because that's that's not for show then that's not a podcast thing i like that i like that yeah they, i like that they, now from the lads. they said it on the podcast and then i'm just you listen to this now they said it on the podcast and then, <laughs> and then afterwards they sent me their number so uh just bear oh my god my, my phone is broken this is so <laughs> weird this never breaks <laughs> i've broken the phone in five and a half years uh, but yet um so i haven't been i haven't met people that i would have yeah and except my wife actually myself my wife would have drank a bit so there was a bit of there was a from her now she's doing dry January. So she's, uh, she's, she's joining me a little oh. bit on the journey, but uh, there would have been a little bit of worry from her kind of, Oh, what's this about now? What was this? Is this going to mean? Is our relationship going to change? We're not going to have to crack. Yeah. Are you going to be a boring bastard? All that kind of stuff, you know? So it's, it's, it changes your relationships with people, doesn't it? Yeah. It's understandable. Like it's totally understandable. I mean, it does, it did change a good few relationships with me. Like there was at least one or two people I can think of. There's more than one or two actually being brutally honest that I drank with and it wasn't just booze. Like it wasn't just parties. We did get on really well and we, we have struggled to find a way to still be friends post me not drinking. Like that's definitely the case, but I've kind of made peace within the stuff. I also try not to think about myself too much anymore as well. So that was another part of the journey with the meditation and, and, and the program and stuff where, so like when you're drinking, you're constantly thinking that you're the center of attraction when you're, when you're walking in the door, cause you're like, okay, I need to get drunk here to fit in. And then when you're, when you've recently stopped drinking, you're then going in going, Oh, everyone's looking at me now. I'm the new guy. And then after a while you realize, even if they were briefly thinking that everyone is just living their own life. You know what I mean? They're not really that interested in me at all. Like, you know, like I'm not that important at all in the nicest possible way would be something that I would say to myself regularly. And then, then you start just kind of going, well, look, do I feel all right myself? Like I'll just rock up to the social event zone and just be me. Do you know what I mean? No, I have to say this all, what I'm saying, this was alien to me years ago. Like, absolutely. Like the thought of going to an event, not, I wouldn't say drunk cause I wasn't an idiot. I would very rarely rock up to something of importance, like langers drunk but I would definitely have a couple before I go. And then I would get slowly 
drunk for the rest of the evening. Like the thought of, of managing anything without alcohol was unthinkable. But that's like that's you know without getting too technical or philosophical about it. I mean that's the way that we are conditioned. Like I think alcoholic or no, in Ireland that's the way you're conditioned. Like the crack the crack with the lads or the girls whatever is like everyone's on the piss. That's it. Like there's no other way around. That's why I do feel sorry for younger people. Um, who realize maybe that their drinking has gone a little bit like Lula and they want to do something about it. And yet everywhere they look is like alcohol advertisements. And now I probably shouldn't say too much about alcohol advertisements because I have done a couple of VOs for alcohol companies in the last couple of years. But, um, and I, I need to continue with that work, guys. But, um, but no, seriously, though, like, I, I just think it's tough. And actually, when you were just saying there, you, you've chosen, I mean, this is a tough year, actually. Stop drinking as well. I mean, fair play to you. Like, because I, since I started kind of going public with my story, I get a lot of messages from younger people, which I'm absolutely delighted and flattered and humbled um, that somebody would even come to me to fucking ask for help on anything, to be honest. But, but I do struggle at times to point them in the right direction right now at this moment in humanity, because a lot of the things I'm suggesting actually aren't, aren't on, or at least not on in the, in the fulsome way they will be when hopefully this, this thing ends. So yeah, I think it's a particularly tough time and, I think we just, you know, if, if the places aren't open at the moment, a lot online will just have to suffice and then just staying close to people who give a shit about you as well as the, is the, is the main advice I give to people, I think, you know. And it's difficult as well because the people who you're close to don't want you to go up drink because they want you to stay on their buzz and, you know, all that kind true. of stuff. Sometimes that's true, yeah. Sometimes. Um, so take us back then to the the stuff you did for the player with cahoots um and then the school and your experience with that because uh you briefly mentioned something to me about about arriving somewhere at RT somewhere like RT and I and I knew exactly what you meant because I had um Dear and Garrahy on the podcast. Oh and yes. I, and I said to her, you know what you've done? You've you've done a great thing because you've arrived at RT with your own shit. Like Totally. You, you've lots of work to be doing. You don't necessarily need this gig. You're doing it because you're choosing to spend this time doing that. Yeah. I was trying to get that across to her that remember, remember you're choosing to spend your time doing this. You, you were earning, you know, it's not for the money. It might be a sort of a, she said, you know, she said, well, presenting breakfast radio wasn't ever really kind of a thing that she grew up wishing she was doing, but but, but what, what I was trying to get across her was the uh, she she had her own she came with her own stuff yeah didn't absolutely need, didn't need them it was just something you said to me briefly and I wanted to yeah. sort of interrogate your experience maybe from or as much as you want to talk about I want to say yeah oh absolutely yeah like I think it's yeah that's and she's a brilliant point she's a brilliant example because as you say I would I would describe that as leverage you're, you're coming to RT with massive leverage because you already have a following. You've already established yourself for what you're doing. And I was just, I would just look back in our experience and I see other comics now because online, I mean, it's, you know, the internet isn't going anywhere. So online was kind of dismissed very early on, I think, particularly here. Like, I think we're way behind. Like, you know, there were online superstars of comedy in the States before Ireland was even kind of, you know, understanding that, that, that it was a thing. Because I, and, should, yeah. I should I should, at this point just tell people, and I will mention it in the introduction, but Cahoots were the first kind of online comedy. Like you were doing, you were doing, yeah, all, that, so. those, those, you were doing all those sketches, even I think before Foil, Arms and Hog kind of. Yeah, we, 
we probably kicked off around the same period. And I think we were the first, like the school uh, launched on the player and that was the first of its kind in RTE. So it was a TV, it was on TV as well, but it was a player exclusive at the start. So we had this relationship with the player ongoing for a long time and we started making sketches for them and our stuff was kind of, used to be like, used to go down really well critically and like kind of commercially too, but, but mostly critically and on, on the strength of that. Eddie Doyle, who I'd have to say was an absolute diamond to work with and any opportunity I'd ever get to, to give him a shout, not that he needs a shout out for me, like he's got an extremely well-established, excellent career. <laughs> but uh, but no, he was brilliant. Like, But but I, the way I would describe that period was that like, Eddie loved our stuff. So then you'd find yourself in RT with, I would say RT generally being like fairly disinterested in comedy. And I kind of get why it doesn't, you know, it's hard to get comedy right. The numbers don't usually hit. I get it now. Like at the time I was embittered about it, but now that I'm out the other side of it, I understand it. Like it's, it's a, it's a kind of a largely corporate entity. Comedy is tricky. And the stuff we were making, even though to us, it wasn't particularly offbeat at all. It was a little bit offbeat to them. It wasn't gag, 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 gag. So they were a bit like, well, this isn't like, you know, I don't think this is going to go down all that well. And then when you've just got one man championing you and Eddie, in fairness, loved us, like he hardcore loved us. He really brought us through, you know, and I spent a lot of time with him. Like, you know, I had meetings on my own where he was like trying to find ways to get us through the gates with stuff. And if it wasn't for him, the school absolutely wouldn't have happened. Like it was as much his baby as it was, as it was ours creatively. But the point I'm making after all that raw mesh is if I my time back again, what I would have done was try to do it the other way around. So we, we only really built a following after we'd started getting stuff on RT. And then because the school, even though, again, it was really well critically received, it didn't go on to a second season. Like, though, try, try as I might, and there was a, an awful lot of interest, which we may or may not get into, but it didn't happen. But then it's kind of end of the road for you in a way because you don't have leverage and you don't have a following. And I think for younger people coming through, like, you do your thing and worry about the RTEs and these people afterwards. Like, because if you've established yourself as, a, as an entity that has, so be as strong as you can be and be, and be critically appraised, brilliant, because we were getting a good bit of that. But just as importantly, find your following. It doesn't have to be commercial audience. It can be like a completely alternative audience, but you need enough of them to then, an RTE will go, well, even though I don't really like comedy, I can't deny that this guy or girl has a following. So it's, it's less of a leap for them to take a chance in it. Like the best example I can think of in comedy is, is Limmy. I don't know if you like Limmy, the Scottish comic Limmy, yeah. right? So like Limmy had such a following that he created himself with his own weird, unique world where he doesn't compromise at all, where there's no thought of, I need a guy and a girl in this sketch, or there's no thought of, well, I can't insult Fina Gale in this, or I can't insult this person, or you need to take that joke out because actually that guy owns a Toyota and there's a reference to Toyota. He doesn't give a shit about any of that. <laughs> he just does his thing and it's weird, yet it has enough of a following that BBC Scotland just go to him and go, well, like, there's your following. You go and make your show around your house and we're all winners. But when you've no leverage, I'm just waiting for an email back from Eddie Doyle to say, you know, yeah, I've squeezed through your show. No one else in the building wanted it. Best of luck with it. And you need to make it in 10 minutes. And we're going to throw it on a quarter to 12 at night. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> Which is a shit situation for anybody because, yeah, you know, on one hand, you want to tell them to go fuck themselves. And on the other hand, you're going, this is my opportunity. I need to grab it by, with both hands. But the opportunity that you grab with both hands sort of turns into salt 
um, as you grab it and then it's gone and you don't know what happened and where it went and why no one gives a shit about you. Exactly. Um, and it can be it can be hard to sort of to keep going. I, I know one particular online comic uh, who did something for the player and without giving too much away, but you know, I it's kind of like th- I think this will be helpful because I remember I don't know if I actually talked to him about it afterwards, but I remember watching what he did for the player and either I was talking to him about it afterwards or something, but it was like it his his he had no concept of what might happen when he arrived at RT. He'd no yeah. they liked his stuff online and said, Will you come in and do a few bits? You know? Sure, come in and do it. <laughs> that sounds familiar, yeah. So come in and do something. And then you're what you come in with something ready that you've prepared and probably sweated about and worried about, and you know, and you know, it's probably not your best work, but you think this is good, and you know, yeah, and then it and then it and then these people fuck it up on you because this guy doesn't want you to do this, and they don't want you to do it that way. And actually, that cameraman isn't around anymore, so you have to use this guy. This guy exactly. doesn't doesn't normally film comedy, he normally does the wildlife show on a Sunday morning, and correct called in. He was called in on his day off and doesn't want to fucking be here. And <laughs> all these, and, and you're, you're in this yeah, yeah. position. You're supposed to be funny. Yeah. Nobody that's standing around you in your is in any way interested. I made a documentary with RT and the person who started the documentary was really into the project, but they got taken off it. Wow. The person who was given the project did a really, you know, did their best, but wasn't really, didn't really know why they were asked to do it. And, was kind of just getting whoever cameraman, soundman that was available at the time to fill in. And it was just, I was like, are we still doing this? Is this still? Anyway, it got made and whatever. Yeah. It's just weird to, and I feel like I wish I'd, I wish I was able to tell him in advance, look, go and make your stuff and, 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 you know, do, do it for just for the experience of being, Absolutely. doing something in that difficult scenario. Uh, so I think it's important what you're saying for people like that, you know? Absolutely. It's because it comes down to leverage again. So it's you, it's you that pays the price. Then when, if you don't have, again, the other, the creative part of leverage is that I had to toe the line to get something through the gates. So I will always be absolutely grateful for, well, Eddie, when I think of RT, it's Eddie because no one else in the building wanted me on the premises really <laughs> whereas he was like there's something in what you're doing like let's just try and get it through the gates but because he had to um do do a few dances to get stuff through i think was the phrase he used to say to get to get it through the over the line you would end you'd end up with something where it wouldn't be, have been my creative choice like in the school for instance i'm wearing a wig i didn't think that character should wear a wig for instance like there's jokes that were taken out I, it wouldn't have been in a school. I would never have, like my own, as you might have seen from some of the stuff that I'm doing, like in the last year or two, my own taste in comedy is a lot darker. It's a lot more political. Now, I still stand by the school because there are jokes and we created them together. And, and I think myself, Laura and Dom, like, you know, on screen together, like, you know, is a really great combo and all those things. I believed in it up to a point, but it cannot but be a compromise project when you're playing the game with a broadcaster that is well aware that you have no leverage. And if they don't answer your emails for a month, you're not going to be able to kick up a fuss because you're a nobody, you know, they, and they're aware of that and you're aware of that. And that's fine. That's, that's the dance. But if I have my time back again, what you do is like you get yourself your leverage by building up your following and doing work on stage, online, you know, wherever that builds up a following that you get the, the, the people who are aware of what you're doing critically and more importantly, or as importantly a following. And then you go to RT and say, 
well, you know what? I'm not wearing a wig. And I feel that that joke does work. And I don't give a shit if that pisses off that person because here's the following. Here's the reviews. The, the experiment is done. The results are in. Either you want the show or you don't. <clears throat> and I was, we were absolutely nowhere near that point of leverage. So, yeah. And that's the route. That's the route to do it, I think, to, 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 to go the other way around. Build your following, first of all. And then then, well, I would probably recommend getting onto BBC next, like, because they answer emails much, much more promptly and, and, and creatively. But, but then if you want to do stuff with RTE, then, then go, here's my thing, what you think? And if they say, yeah, we might change this, this and this, you'd say, well, no. <laughs> I'm happy because, because sometimes it can be financial. Sometimes it can be, I want to get my stuff out there somewhere. Uh, RTE can be handy that way. Do you think we're getting to the point that we don't need necessarily, that performers don't need RTE? Do you think there's... Do you think there's a, a way that people can make money? I mean, obviously this year is a bad example, but uh, like, uh, are we getting to is are we getting to a tipping point? I, I can tell I by think, your expression, not really. I think I think so. I mean, people still like. I still I'm still building tour. You know, I still write TV ideas for TV stuff. Like we're we're trying to write a film at the moment. There's I'm still thinking about the 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 you know that format or that 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 media that medium I should say but the importance of RT like it's 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 hard to say I feel like the the kudos for it is kind of waning a little bit I definitely think even when we started it was kind of like oh we're doing something on RT and that was a big deal like that's definitely gone in the last few years I suppose like the online thing has just become become bigger and bigger but like you can certainly make a living from just doing stuff online I mean I anecdotally know of a good few people that have crazy numbers like numbers far beyond anything that i have certainly that are through their paid partnerships and stuff like that like they're making a healthy living just from facebook or instagram and stuff like that if that's if that's what you want to do but that's another kind of that's another kind of compromise project for me then a little bit you know like if you have to tailor your it's one thing making a corporate sketch for somebody but if you have to tailor your own material for somebody that you're in a partnership with, I don't know, man. Like I'm sounding a bit, I'm sounding a bit punk here now. Like, but post RT, I kind of promised myself that, like, I love comedy. I absolutely adore comedy, and like pre-drinking, during drinking, post drinking, it's the one thing that's always been there. Like, I just love jokes. I love gags. I'm constantly laughing at myself and other people, and laughing in my meditation. I sometimes wake up in the morning in a laugh. Um, that, that's on a really good day now. Like I'm making myself out to be kind of a, a kind of a, a Mary Poppins on acid type character there now. But but I love you. I love comedy, and I I, I I've made myself the promise when I finished up. I was like, no matter how far you get now, you're you're just going to do stuff that you like going forward. <clears throat> you know, there's going to be no thought of what's going to get numbers. What would people think that I should do? Like that it should be warm or it should get fans or that it don't do stuff that pisses people off. I'm just like, do the stuff that you want to do. And that's what the show, in one eye out the other is the most me thing I ever did in my life. And it's by far and away the most successful thing. I've certainly on stage, you know, like it was re, it was inhibited by COVID, definitely. But like I was getting funding all over the place. I was going to Edinburgh, I was getting great reviews. I was, and it's the most weirdly me thing I ever did like I wouldn't have dreamt submitting something like that to RT because they would have been like who the fuck is going to watch this women in their 40s will have no interest in this like you know th- those kind of stats that you'd you'd yeah. get yeah but the first time that I did me yeah the first time I actually did the thing I was like okay what do you want to do now warts and all 
I know it's not gag, gag, gag. It's really offbeat. There might be laughs at all for fucking 10 minutes, but just do the thing you want to do. And that was the one that, that did quite well. You know what I mean? So that's the biggest lesson I could give to, to anyone, really. Like, do the, do the weirdest thing that you have in mind. Like, get that down on paper. Uh, I don't want to ruin the ending for people, but you, you've, some, <laughs> you've some voice. Oh, thanks, man. Um, the, I must ask you about learning lines as well sometime. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I, and I think the, the one-man show that I did, it's interesting because like, I was talking to people like, I was the only person, <laughs> I was the only person in the world who thought I should do a one-man show. Um, it was great. So far away from what people thought I should be doing or where I should be. Like I was, you know, I'm, I have an agent now at the moment, probably just, just about, but, um, you know, I, I, I kind of had a meeting with them and I was like, well, you know, what's the plan? And I, I kind of said, well, this is what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to write this, you know, one man show. And I've yeah. started doing these writing classes and I'm, this is what it's about. And, like straight up, in fairness to them, they just said, "No, we don't see, we don't, uh, we don't see that for you. We don't see." Because <laughs> they're thinking, like, is there going to be money in this? Come on, possibly the money side of it, but also they were like, "Well, like you're a radio presenter, you know, full stop." Uh, and yeah, know, fair, fair. Would you go and have a cup of coffee with the guy who runs this radio station? And I was like, "Sure." And I'm in my head going, "I am never fucking pinning my any of my hopes or any of my dreams." onto a guy who owns a radio station thank you very much i'm gonna like a lot of what you're saying rings true because i'm like i have to figure out a way of creating my own thing and let that be my if it does well let that be my income i'll do whatever i have to do to do my own yeah. thing um and it's worked out okay i mean i should have been touring now as as exactly yeah as you should have been uh, i got a national tour out of it so so far so good you know um, and you're doing this, yeah, and I do this, which is yeah. which just scratches an itch. I can still be a presenter. I can still be a broadcaster. I can still, Absolutely. but but there again, they wouldn't. Nobody would have. I could never have pitched within RTE for a talk show, or you know, because I wasn't. That that's not how they would have seen me. Um, yeah. So you kind of just have to go. Well, what do I want to fucking do? And I'm going to just do that, even if it's just in the room upstairs in my gaff. And I put it out as a podcast. I'll do that. And that's the way I'll do it. And I'll do a one man show. And if, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. At least I've tried. Um, Absolutely. But uh, I can't, uh, I was going to, I was going to ask you something there. Um, (laughs) It's okay. I can edit this gap out. It's fine. I've been thinking about, (laughs) thinking about myself too much. The school. Yeah. The school, a political party, like, those three characters in a uh, in a fledgling new political party. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because Definitely, yeah, you know, I know the stuff you were doing online was kind of like it was. It was. I mean, I could see where the school came from because you know it was staff room kind of. You know. Yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff was kind of office based or you know canteen. Yeah, yeah. Canteen in the office or, or shared accommodation kitchen or whatever, but. I know that you have a particular interest in politics and I could really see how, you know, those three particular actors and characters, but in a political party. That's not a bad idea, man. That's not a bad idea at all. I'm just pitching this now. This is... Uh, we'll, we'll pitch it to RT together there and we can... 
we'll yeah. have a game of who gets the reply first. We'll get them to listen to this first. <laughs> then they'll be worried and they'll give us the gig. Um, yeah, yeah. But a lot, a lot of the stuff you do now, it, like was politics always your a big interest? Um, your online comedy now, a lot of it is political. And I, just, I think it was the last general elections, you were uh, really, really, really back in Sinn Féin. Um, yeah. As much as you could. I mean, you, you, you've several, I know one character in particular, you have several characters and they all seem to be <laughs> talking about <laughs> Sinn Féin. <laughs> Uh, you turned them all. Uh, so, so was that? Is, has that always been a big interest, or is this something that you've you've always had on the back burner? I don't know you that. I only know your online presence, and I don't know that much about you, your history. But yeah, politics a, a, a new thing for you to start talking like that, especially about Sinn Fein, and to be so uh, to use whatever leverage you had online to get people to think about voting for Sinn Fein. How important was that for you? So, like, the interest was was is not new at all. The interest again, it's like you know, the kind of towing the line thing. Like, I don't know that anyone ever pulled me aside in the RT years and say, like, explicitly, like, you know, leave the Republicanism off. But <laughs> it's not like a kind of a Republican hotbed of, of opportunity like RT, you know, so... But, but like, it, it would have been. I mean, yeah, not that, apparently not so, that yeah. long ago, yeah. Yeah, apparently so. But, um, but no, like... I had a general thing coming through with comedy for a while. I was thinking, okay, like let's just try and get the comedy right and keep the keep the politics out of it or whatever. And I, I don't know why I kind of thought that, but I just I just thought, yeah, at the early doors, I was like, do the comedy, stay out of the political stuff. But you see the state of the fucking country, or whatever, and the politics just starts kind of sneaking in the back door. I think that's what just happened with me organically. And then I suppose when the general election came up, I was kind of thinking for a long time now with the comedy, I've been deliberately. We always had this character, Marie Corkery in cahoots and stuff, and I'd, I'd slip her in every now and then. But I think with the guys as well, that they weren't like particularly interested in doing political comedy. And I was like, I needed to respect that, like as long as we were kind of doing lots of stuff together. Then I started doing more and more stuff on my own, and that kind of coincided with general election time as well. And yeah, cahoots kind of, kind of, yeah, we kind of parked it for a bit in that period, and everyone was doing their own thing. The guys were busy with their own stuff, and I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to tear into this thing now because it's an, it's an itch. Like you used the term itch earlier. I was like, I fucking, if I have any tiny little platform here and I can articulate some of the things that are pissing me off, at least through the, through the prism of this character, I just have to go with it. And then it just kind of started getting a lot of, a lot of mileage and stuff. And it kind of went from there, but I'm kind of at a stage in my life now as well, where I'm just like, like, what do you want to do? Like, just, just do that then. You know what I mean? I don't really, I don't spend any time anymore going, oh, that might piss that person off. Like one thing I definitely, and I, I definitely would like to say this and somebody can, can, can pull me up on this either now or later or whatever. I tend to avoid attacking the person, you know, like there's, there's more than enough to be getting on with, with fucking oppressive or regressive, I should say, policies from the people in charge of this country, like over the last, I don't know how many years without wandering into ad hominem attacks. I really think that, and it's an important thing to get across. I, I studied philosophy in, in college. That was my undergraduate and like various lectures drilled that idea into us. Cause it's all like philosophy really at its, you know, basically it's kind of about building coherent arguments for whatever your position is. If you if you start insulting the person, your argument is over. Like logic is out the window. Then at that at that point, so one thing I definitely don't I'm not attracted to in any way. 
online is these kind of attacks on people or personal attacks. I don't care who they are. Like if you're mocking somebody's appearance or the way their their dress or their hair or something like, or their head or their weight or their whatever, I just that just seems kind of pointless to me. You know what I mean? So that's 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 one downside to Twitter. But overall, overall, I I actually love Twitter. Like I have to say, it gets a lot of slack, but it's it's great crack. Like. It's, I think it's it's great crack it's a little lefties paradise like you know we're all in a little bubble there like we're 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 the kings like and there's no there's there's no kind of there's no centrists or right wingers to kind of worry about but it's a fantasy and once you're aware it's a fantasy and that out in this, the real world it's quite different I mean I think people have seen that the hard way with like Brexit and obviously Trump before that where people in your little bubble like you're you're obviously voting for the right side of history so then it comes as a huge surprise to you the next morning when the election results are out and your side ha- have lost. Like that's the greatest evidence of the that we're all existing in some sort of bubble I can think of. Um, yeah, I saw, uh, I remember a situation where uh, there was somebody, I think it, an Irish Times journalist supported another journalist from another newspaper in the UK and said, you know, they were they were leaving I can't remember the specifics of it. They were, they were leaving the Guardian. I think this journalist, she had maybe written something that might have been, I, I don't know enough about it, but, you know, against the trans community, which is... Oh, yes. And then this Irish Times journalist uh, wished her well, you know, didn't necessarily, agree, <laughs> didn't necessarily agree with everything she'd said, but sort of said, look, she's a great journalist, probably shouldn't be losing her job or, you know, kind of being cancelled and, you know, it's... yeah. Sort of, she was sort of, sort of, sort of sticking up for her, not completely, but she, you know, she was very close to being cancelled herself. And I remember thinking, oh, mommy and daddy are fighting because uh, yeah. all of a sudden yeah. all, that, all the cool people on uh, all of, this person would, would, you know, you would see this journalist as central to that, all that sort of, you, you call it left, you know, the yeah. left side of things and thinking, uh, you know, suddenly people just didn't know where to go, which side to take. Who, you know who to attack anymore it's you know it was like it was it was very bizarre i'd have yeah. to yeah um well there's kind of there's 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 a there's a left wing thing but be it online and obviously in reality and then there's a kind of a hysterical opportunistic leftism i suppose and that's the one that we can very easily kind of try and <laughs> attack you know but like uh, people who are actually left leaning i don't think have have a whole lot to, to do with that world in my experience but yeah, it's gas. Like I mean, and I, I like I had a thing there recently where um, Patter Tobin, who used to be a member of Sinn Fein, I always found him to be a, a politician that I admired. I I I liked the way that he carried himself in debates. I thought he was trenchant, um, and he did a lot of good things when he was in the party. He subsequently left the party, um, and he's come out the wrong side of history to some people on the left, I suppose, because he voted no in major referendums. And I made a comment on Twitter. Uh, say I, 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 I was, I, I was just chatting to him on Twitter and I said something along the lines of, okay, cool, whatever. And I'd mentioned in the sentence that I thought he was a, a politician that I'd always admired. And I just wanted to ask him this question on one of one of their policies or whatever. And he answered me back really politely as he always does. And then I lost at least a, a few followers that evening um, because people were then commenting saying, you respect this politician, question mark. 
And I was like, well, my empiricism is such that I respect him because I've, I followed him not, not closely. I'm not following him to the shop or anything like, but you know, I, you know, I was very interested in Sinn Féin. So I, I admired some of the stuff he was doing in Sinn Féin. I always found him venerable, fair, trenchant. They're the kind of things that I would look for in a politician. Yes, I have always found him. I disagree with them on the topic that you raise. So I think it's, it's healthy to disagree with people and have a different view, different view to them and politely discuss it. But no, I will not throw out the fact that I respect him because I fundamentally disagree with him on one particular issue. And for, for, for some people, that was, that was unacceptable. And I, and I think I lost some followers and stuff. And that, to me, is an example, I think, of kind of all that is wrong with, with politics and with the online scenario completely, where this thing has kind of slipped in where I disagree with you or you disagree with me. Okay, we're done then. As opposed like that being, I mean, like in my studies, that would be the beginning of a new idea. Like that would be a thesis and somebody provides the antithesis and then we have a synthesis and we have a new idea. And that's how learning goes forward and how we, we, we start to appreciate and empathize with each other more. We give thought. I mean, I gave thought to what some of those people were saying that night because they told, you know, they were more experienced than I, I was and they were giving more detail than I knew about the particular issue. And I thought about it afterwards, but to say that, like, no, I'm done. I'm done with you. Like, you're done and he's done. I think that's that's an all time, an all time sad place for us to have got to, I think, in, in, in discourse generally. Yeah, because it's that's the, the type of thing that American presidents come out with. You know, you're either with us or you're against us. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's that straightforward. It's never that straightforward and it shouldn't be no. that straightforward. Do you can you I want to just ask you we've been talking for an hour now at this stage I feel, like years. I feel, I feel like it's <laughs> i was gonna say like five minutes um, it feels like both years and five minutes which is always the best experience yeah i think you're you right i mean yeah yeah the um the recent mother and baby home report and without getting too, well i suppose everything's political what the fuck do you think they're attempting what do you think the outcome i'm confused about like this was a really great opportunity and i thought that ireland had changed and i thought that from now on we're going to deal with things differently because we've made mistakes with reports in the past we've made mistakes with not treating victims properly and almost trying to blame them in some way and you know that's backfired and you know, whatever they were trying to do with saving money or something, you know, if it was if it was a, an economical decision, well, they know that that doesn't work because eventually they will grind you down. Eventually, you know, I mean, maybe you'll, you'll get lucky as a government and some people will die and they can't take it to court and get money out of you. But it just didn't seem like a good thing to do. And, and thinking about this report coming out, I thought, well, here's an opportunity to really get it right. Like two things that happened with this report, the report was absolute and utter shit like not good enough not 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 good enough not even in the way it was written or the language used or i don't even know what the fuck they were trying to do with it it didn't go far enough it didn't do any of the things it should have done it was a huge opportunity missed it just it just stank there was something about that report that just stank to high heaven and then in dealing with like if they were already trying to protect themselves with how the report was delivered then they double down on the report by then trying to protect themselves further. 
as you know, Michal Martin came out and blamed us. This is everybody party. This yeah. is it was society turned their backs on these girls. But there were so many stories of people trying not to give their daughters away or not or, or, or women trying to get away from like my own my own mother sent me this thing. I, I don't know if you saw the the uh, I don't even want to name her. She's a journalist. I think she's with the male and she said something. Oh, like, yeah. Something. I know what you're on Phil about. Lynn, yeah. Phil Lynn's mother or something. Yeah, yeah. I, was like, I was like, are you? Uh, this is absolutely. This. Yeah. Where's the empathy like? Where's where, the empathy? Where's right? the old empathy gone? Yeah. So I think she was trying to say, well, if this person could do it and, and, you know, stay out of these homes, then anybody could do it, you know, which is bizarre. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And my mother sent me this thing about strong women and all this kind of stuff. And I, I replied to him, I was loads of strong women left and went to England and were dragged back. Mm. Like there was plenty of strength. There was plenty of willpower. There was plenty. I guarantee you there were strong women, even within those, the Magdalene laundries or wherever they were screaming and shouting every day at the people and what they were doing to themselves and yeah. trying to escape and trying and, and going fucking mad because they were strong women. Like, it's an absolute mess. And I really mm-hmm. hope, I'm worried that the, the cycle, the new cycle is moving and people aren't really, you know, COVID is, is helpfully sort of, you know, masking the, or, or just helping this whole situation. But what do you think they were trying to accomplish by doing it in such a way? Is it, is, was it a money-saving scenario? Yeah. Or it was absolutely stupid. I think it's, it's always money-saving. I think, look, I mean, look, you know, this is an area where I feel in a way as a comic, I'm kind of like reluctant to kind of go into great detail because there's people who are an awful lot more knowledgeable and who've actually also got the lived experience as well. But I think Catherine Connolly's assessment of it was just so powerful when I was listening to her because like she just cuts through all the bullshit and basically says this is another example of this kind of obfuscation thing that we get with with government where it's. obviously it's saving money but as well we just have a culture in this country from the top down of no accountability that's that's the problem as well it's a think it's a real irish thing and i think it's it's a it's a catholic country thing you get it as well in a lot of catholic dominated countries i think like italy and mexico and we we also have that culture a little bit of like there will not be specific accountability um for these things so that's why it's it's you, you start using terms like society. Society is to blame. But you're right in what you're saying, though, because like aside from the fact that it's so horrific for somebody to have a lived experience like that to maybe get to the end of their days with this fucking hole in their heart, I, would, I can only imagine, I could only begin to imagine the depth of that pain and then hope that the government that, that, did not protect you all those years ago and did not protect your loved ones all those years ago would now, with the opportunity, produce a document that would in some way admit responsibility and have accountability in it so that you could at least, you know, live out the rest of your years with the knowledge that that was acknowledged. And they, de- they then didn't do it again. Like, so it's like a double hit as far as I'm concerned. Right. So it's so, so horrific. But if you just park that for a moment, like what you're saying, it's a really interesting point where to, to not just do the right thing morally, but to do the right thing strategically, that's the one that I don't understand. And that's for me, that's the unique Fianna Fáil thing in a way, because Fianna Gael have always been and, and these days are much more savvy about spin. 
they put out the right like they're smiling as they're destroying your life like but they're smiling really well it's it's elegant whereas Fianna Fáil are for me and 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 uh, like I won't get personal about it but the the hierarchy of Fianna Fáil at the moment they're kind of stuck in a time warp for me they're still inhabiting a world where you don't ask them any questions they're they're the authority they epitomize that church and state thing you don't ask them any questions um, you are an underling, like they're in control. How dare, like for me, Michal Marin always looks like really surprised that he just, he's just been asked a, an incisive question. He's like, who, who's this person? Like, you know, who, how dare they? But they're just totally blinded to doing the right thing because the old Fianna Fáil way is you don't ask me any questions. There's no accountability. They, do, you know what, what, do you know what? Without getting too kind of um, pseudo-intellectual on it, I'm, I've just read this book by um, Nassim Taleb called Skin in the Game. And it's, it's incredible for the political stuff because a lot of these leaders, they don't have any skin in the game. There's no loss. There's no direct losses. Like if these, you know, there's no accountability, there's no skin in the game. So they can kind of do what they want and they won't face responsibilities for it ultimately. Like ultimately, Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar are going to, when this is all done and whatever state the country's in, like, you know, down the road, they're going to go off into the sunset. And they're going to have an unbelievable collection of pensions. That's a fact. That's absolutely going to happen. So you'd wonder then what skin in the game is, is there for them. But your, your main point, though, is so, is so correct that, like, you'd wonder why they don't even strategically do the right thing. Like, you'd wonder also why Fianna Fáil, about two, two years ago, wouldn't have stopped the but the IRA narrative. Because every time they were hammering Sinn Féin on that one issue, like, whatever Sinn Féin say... Sorry now, but the IRA, they would start going down in the polls. And they've been going down in the polls kind of consistently now for months, if not years, every time they do attacks on Sinn Féin. For the... So forget the moral issue. Just strategically, I just can't understand how, how somebody could be so brainless to look at the polls and see that the, the general public are onto you on this but the IRA kind of thing. And yet they continue doing it. Just blows my mind. But they're... They're quite out of touch, and I think they're particularly out of touch with young people. Um, so I think the future is quite bright to, to maybe start, start getting a bit positive because I feel I've been very negative for the last while. But I do feel the future is quite bright, though. When I look at the figures, obviously, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, 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 you know, Sinn Féin sympathetic, but I'm sympathetic to any party that has got, you know, that's interested in progressive policies to help ordinary people. Um, and there's, there, are, there are a few of those, in my opinion. If you look at the stats for young people, like the, the, the figures are very promising. Like even <laughs> they could have bought themselves a bit of time and said, you know, this report is not good enough. You know, <laughs> we want another report. Yeah. So, anything. Any, they could have disagreed with the report. They could have said it doesn't go far enough. We expected more. They could have, they could have oh, made themselves yeah. look good and still stalled. Like none. It's just the webinar. The webinar. What the fuck is a webinar? Mm. What's a webinar to a woman who's, you know, 65 and still living in England and hasn't been home? What? Like, just. Yeah. We're, we're doing a webinar. I wouldn't go to a I webinar. Need... Even if it was about me. It was no, a webinar called the Keith Walsh webinar. I wouldn't attend it. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd have to see what I'm up to, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, so what's the crack now? So you're so you're movie, and I presume you're hoping 
are you kind of like me like the, the, the theaters are opening you're booking you maybe book dates for the summer have you, yeah. have, you have you dates booked somewhere are you waiting to waiting to announce it a few dates or what's the what's the plan <sighs> to be honest they're all up in the air now because i just don't know like i i made so many new plans like i was gonna do the in one out the other in the everyman I think we've booked and rebooked those that run like genuinely about three or four times at this stage, you know, and the guys are really sound and understanding, but obviously like everyone's understanding with, with the state of the world, but I'm trying to not get too, yeah, bogged down on dates at the moment. Like I'd hope to go to, I was supposed to go to Edinburgh last year. I was hoping to go to Edinburgh this year in my mind. That's the kind of a thing where at least if I could do that, that would be great. But even that might be a little bit ambitious in some people's, premonitions or whatever so or predictions they should say so i don't know but in the meantime i just work away like my my big thing again is you know if i stand still now at the moment like the world is going to get to some point of reactivity at some point so i want to find myself in a position where i've got lots of stuff lined up even if that's just creative creatively you know what i mean so in the meantime like i was really lucky last year i ended up doing a lot of vo's and that like you know, you can sometimes get a run of VOs and I know that doesn't last forever, but when it's a decent run, you can have, you can have a couple of quid coming in where I can then just do this, do the work that I actually want to be doing. And I've been lucky enough to get one or two grants as well. So I'm working on a couple of plays. I'm working on a film with um, Dominic McHale from Cahoots. We live together as well. And it's great. It's great to have someone else creative. Like you're constantly kind of bouncing ideas off as well. It's brilliant. We, we make, can still make sketches together occasionally as well. Um, Dominic, of course, we should say is the cop in uh, the cop. Correct. Yeah. Like in, uh, can't think of the name of the show. Uh, the Young Offenders. Young Offenders. Dominic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're writing away. Yeah. So so there's that. There's a. I I wrote a book last year as well. Would you believe? Um, right. It's a spoof self help book. So that's hopefully should be coming out later in the year as well. And then I'm just constantly making stuff for the internet and I'm trying to make, I'm making a promise with myself that I'm going to do like some political stuff, but then just try and do stuff that's not political at all. And cause I don't want to become a political comedy guy either. Cause I, comedy is the thing like comedy, 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 but it's just, it's, I just wish the government would just stop being so ridiculous so that I could just get on with my comedy life, but they keep, <laughs> They keep pulling me and others into this. Like, I feel like I need to keep commenting on it, like through the medium of comedy. You know what I mean? I wish they would just leave me alone. Like, but they, they won't. Like, or you could go all out and just you could just run for election. You know, you could do that either. Throw your throw, your throw your whole hat in. Um, well, listening listening to somebody like Holly Kearns in your uh, podcast to listen to an actual political animal with the work done and the the, the fight in her and oh my god I was I was it was inspirational listening to her she's literally like the tiny tiny version of that that I'm doing is like I don't care about pissing off kind of people on the internet I'm just going to put up the sketch I want she's literally in the machine like she's she's inside the man and she's fucking battling oh I thought she was amazing so I might I might leave it to the experts but uh yeah who knows if I run out of jokes who knows uh -huh. I might join you. I find myself becoming increasingly more politicized. Um, could be that. I mean, maybe I need to go back drinking. <laughs> yeah, I didn't give a shit. I didn't give a shit really when I was drinking. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever thinks about that. No, no. Um, 
and yeah, Holly's brilliant, Jesus. Uh, and it, as you talk about the higher the 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 old school hierarchy of political parties, um, what did she say? Always talking about dead people, celebrating dead people. Anyway, um, I, I can just imagine the shock on some of these uh, the owls their face when Holly like says the things she says because she just absolutely she doesn't she doesn't yeah. do what you're supposed to do. She doesn't behave like you're supposed to behave, and she's again. Totally. It's an old Ireland thing. Like you don't like, well, first of all, a woman, like especially a young woman, like you're not supposed to be talking at all, let alone asking us, what are we doing? And I do think that's an, that's an Irish establishment thing. Like it's, it's again, there's no accountability. Things are working away fine as in they're an absolute mess, but to us, they're fine. Don't question them. And like the, the Hollies of the world, like they're the people that actually, you know, not to, not to, you know, not to, 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 to blow her up to uh, crazy levels altogether, but these are literally the people that change the world. Like, yeah. you know, the, the person that goes, do you know what? I know the way you've always done this this way, but that's absolute bullshit. It makes no sense whatsoever. So let's not do it that way then. Yeah, totally. You know, fair play to her, man. Oh, she's brilliant. And then you've got <laughs> the um, Minister for Education at the moment, who's the exact opposite, you know, takes, yeah, it takes yeah. all, you know, it takes all kinds of women to change the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fair play to her. Uh, <laughs> listen, I didn't really. I, I we 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 got very serious very quickly, but I enjoyed that chat. So thank you very much. Um, Pleasure. And your man's coming back from America, is he, Brian? I don't know, man. I I like. I'd love to sit down with him, but I don't like. I can't. I, so he wants. So he wants to meet me. Was I telling you that? No, no we're, we're no, going to meet. No. Yeah, yeah. So there's a thing going on with Red FM here in in uh, in Cork and Ferns to them. That I, I did an interview with Neil Prendival show recently, and I did a shout out online saying, or on the radio, saying, uh, like, you know, if if the Bod family are listening, I will. I'll do an interview with a Brian meets Brian, and then I will retire the character. So Neil said it out and then like a few days later, he was interviewing Brian for his sum up of the kind of Trump period or whatever. And at the end, he just kind of like <laughs> threw it in there. Like, and in fairness, Brian was like, yeah, that, that, that sounds good. So we're trying to make it happen at the moment. I'm not, I'm not sure how we're going to do it, but it's going to be a Brian meets, meets Brian. Yeah, I can't wait. Like, I'm not an impressionist at all. I, like my impressions generally are absolutely all over. I wish I was like, I look at Stephen Donnelly every day and I just wish that I could do an impression of him. But I can't. But I think Brian, he's from roughly the same part of Cork that I am. You know, we don't look wildly dissimilar. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's hairstyle. just, a, it's a, yeah, it's a political, it's a political reporter version of me. Like, so that's why I think it's the only accent I can do. But it's coming up Trump's and he's happy enough with the character, I think, because I'm just doing kind of a, a, a homicidal version of him as well, which, which obviously yeah. bears no relation to the actual guy. So I think because I found an in, he's kind of happy enough. With it. But he seems like a cool guy anyway, like. Sure, you know you've made it. People are doing impressions of you, um, exactly. But I've I, I read something that RT he's coming back. He doesn't want to. He's 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 finished with America. Or he's he's coming. Oh back. my god, I'd love it. I'd love it if he did because yeah, I'd have, I'd have better access to him. Uh, what did? <laughs> but but t- typical, but typical news reporting of people who work for RTE they didn't say Brian has decided that he's had enough for America he wants to come home because it's you know it's fucking tough being out there and away from your family and all that <laughs> in the paper I was like Brian RTE axe Brian from US gig <laughs> RTE are generally just wielding an axe like <laughs> you know like the headline is RTE axe man from yeah. gig and then you read down and goes a man has decided to leave his job yeah 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 Fucking brian's man. in great form like you know absolutely living his best life but apparently he's been axed 
<laughs> bloodbath in Washington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the Grim Reaper no. himself delivered the news. <laughs> Brian, I think Brian's going to be okay. I think he's going to be all right. <laughs> Brian, I, Brian didn't find out until he read it in the paper the next day. That he was being I, killed by RTE. I've just found out I've been axed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, man, look at, uh, you know, maybe we'll end up in Edinburgh together at this stage. Oh, uh, man, I'd we, love it. We, we yeah, share yeah. or something. Um, is, is that what you are you planning to go to Edinburgh with your show as well? Well, like this, that you like your this is this will only be my first kind of pass with the show. So I like that's hey. you're probably two few years ahead of me. Yeah, but I, you should though. You should aim. You should aim. Well, for that's kind of absolutely. An, that's, that's a name. It's a pipe dream. Aim with the show. Absolutely. And, and you can yeah. apply for funding pretty soon for it as well. I'll I'll send John some some deets. Does that mean you're going to give me your number? No. Well, I'll tell you, I'm up for being friends, but not through the medium of phone calls, because anyone close to me will know that I hate phone calls. Oh, grand. Okay. I love, te- I love WhatsApp audio notes, though. Perfect. Oh, great. Perfect, yeah. We get, yeah. We get on well. Because when share- the phone rings, I, I, I'm back into my drinking days yeah. where there's somebody looking for me to do so. I, I, gen- I actually have a genuine fear. I just try to avoid phone calls at all costs, yeah. Yeah, my wife always asks me, why is your phone always on silent? So I don't want to hear the phone ringing. I don't ever want to hear Me the phone too, ringing. yeah. And vibrate is even worse. I feel like there's, something's going to explode in my pants. And not in a good way. So you should be worried. I'm thinking of shaving my head, getting into transcendental oh, meditation, going to Edinburgh. and uh, this, this happens to me a lot. This happens move, to me a lot. <laughs> moving to Cork. Well, you need to join Sinn Féin as well now. Don't be messing around with any of those other lefty parties, man. Go straight for the juggernaut. Oh, no, I can't leave, Holly. That's it. We can't be friends. Um, oh. Listen, thanks a million for your time. Uh, and... Uh, I'll let Pleasure. you get on whatever you're doing on this fine Thursday evening and uh, best luck with everything with the writing with the film with the thanks a million buddy the characters and I didn't I didn't allow you to, to be hilarious uh, it was a Not different kind of chat but uh, yeah I know I absolutely people, people know where you are people know where you are exactly uh, they can follow me I'm mostly on Twitter anyway if people are looking for me that's kind of where I hang out and uh, an absolute pleasure and sure look I might see you in Edinburgh all going well wouldn't that be nice listen it's going to happen. I'm going to write it yeah. down. I'm going to, I'm going to, what do the young people do now? I'm going to manifest it. Exactly. Manifest yeah. Yeah. Shit. Manifest write it all shit. over the wall. Write it all over your walls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In shit. Tell, tell your wife, I, tell your wife I told you to do that now. <laughs> I thought if I did it in my own feces, it would be better. Like <laughs> said. Okay. Right. Pleasure. See you, man. Good luck. Enjoy the Adios. Luck. Thank bye. you. Bye-bye. Look, buddy. So there you go. That's uh, Ty Kiki. Um, I'm still waiting for him to send me his number. I wonder, maybe you forgot. Ty, if you're listening, maybe you forgot to send me your number. Because I know when I had the happy pair on, they sent me their, their number. Now, obviously, I won't be able to hang out with them until the the lockdown is over. But uh, I will definitely hang out with them. And same to you, Ty. Send me your number there and we'll hook up. I'll ring you. I'll ring you every five minutes. Um, thank you very much to Ty Kiki. I shouldn't really put things on the table and bang like that, but look, this is a rough and ready podcast. Um, as I said, if you want, keep an eye out for him, follow him on social media. His show will be returning to the stage, the one man show. And uh, the only thing I'll say about that is there's a, he's got an incredible voice. Um, just that's all I'll say about it, but it's, it's really good. It's a really good show. It's called um, In One Eye and Out. The next. I hope I got it right. 
Uh, and thanks very much, Tyg, for giving up your time. Uh, and I know he's busy and he keeps himself busy. And uh, But look at, uh, as I said, he, he, was, he was good enough to give up his time. And I really enjoyed the chat. It just kind of flew by. So, Tyg, if you ever want to come on again or, you know, just, as I said, hang out. Just send, just send me your number, man. Don't be weird about it. It's getting awkward now. I keep telling my wife that I'm your friend, but she doesn't believe me. Uh, anyway, that's. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got something from it. If you have any questions about the episode or anything at all, you can email me. It's uh, keithwalsh.walsh at gmail.com or keithwalshpod at gmail.com. Either of those will get to me. And uh, I always like to get letters and correspondence from the listeners. Apparently, I'm uh, the podcast is number four in Bermuda. Yeah, I don't know why. I just got an email from some dude saying that I got to number four in Bermuda. Um, I don't know what it is about the podcast that they're interested in Bermuda. Maybe there's one person that knows me and has listened to them all. And he lives in Bermuda. I'll take it. We are big in Bermuda, folks. That's the main thing. Uh, Yeah, look, if you did enjoy the podcast and you do enjoy the podcast, I really appreciate you listening. If you're an original an OG, original listener. So if you're listening now and it's 2021, early 2021, uh, do get in touch and let me know that you've been listening. Just so I know, uh, I'm going to put a list together of OGs, people who've been listening from the start. And then if we do a live show, I'll be able to email you guys first. Um, it's kind of like a secret club. Don't tell anybody else. And that's it. Uh, do subscribe to the podcast. It makes it easier for you to access the podcast. They'll just drop into your inbox. Um, do leave us a review five stars would be great write a review it all helps and uh, tell your friends if I didn't say that already I probably did there is a a link in the in the description of the podcast so if you want to leave a few quid that would be fantastic and that's it that's all your instructions go I will arrive go go ahead and <laughs> You can leave now, it's okay. I will arise and go now. Is it go to Inishfree? Should really learn that poem again. Imagine if the end of the podcast was just me sitting here thinking about learning that poem again. Hang on. This is me thinking about learning the poem again at some stage in the future. And as I'm thinking about it, I'm figuring. I'm re- I'm thinking of reasons not to, not to learn it. Um, listen, good luck. I have to go now. I do more thinking about learning the poem. And uh, thanks very much for listening, as always. Now get out, go on, get out. Is that what Frank Skinner? I think Frank Skinner does that at the end of his podcast. Now get out. See ya. Love you. Love you. Love you in a. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 